Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Parenting in a Worrisome World. The last month, and of course even before that, parents in our family time classes have been asking a lot of questions about how to parent in this world. This world of natural disasters, financial unpredictability, emotional instability, random violence, and general confusion about what matters. When in each of our personal lives, there's so much that feels beyond our control. This podcast is being recorded 10 days after the shooting in Las Vegas and one month after Hurricane Irma came through South Florida. I've invited Erin Gottesfeld, my friend and psychologist, to help find our bearings in these uncertain times. I wanted and needed to talk about some of the comments, concerns, fears, and questions that I hear in family time classes. First, a big welcome to Erin. I always love, love, love speaking with you. And now, here's the question that was very specific, but it felt like it pulled the rug out from parenting. A mom asked me, how can I tell my kindergartner that she can't go for ice cream after school tomorrow because she wasn't listening? And if she made better choices, she could earn that privilege back later in the week. But what if some random tragedy hits our family and those are the last words I say to her? Now we know that the mom can still have high expectations for her daughter and she can absolutely create love rituals that fortify their bond before parting and throughout the day. But I think the question gets at that deep feeling that the life as we know it rules feel small and insignificant in the face of world problems. Erin, help! Help us walk that line between our families and the world at large. And it's your first podcast with yes, us. Yes, it is my first podcast. Hello. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, well, it's a big question. Because I think at the heart of that question is the mother's anxiety about what is going on in our world. I mean, I think Irma was the hurricane that hit us a month ago. And that's very different than what happened in Las Vegas. Right, a very different kind of stress. Very different, but both, as you use the word control, both very much have to do with the sense of not having control, not not feeling like we know what's going to happen when we go take our kid to ice cream. We can't keep our children safe. We can't give them a future that's better than the future that we imagined for them, that, that we had for ourselves. Right, but this other piece in that question in which she implies that maybe she's not going to go for ice cream 
because something bad might happen while she's there. I mean, I find that really heartbreaking, actually, yeah. because that's exactly what we shouldn't do. In, right, in that you're going to change your relationships based on this overwhelming fear and and. And, and it just it just knocks everybody off course, I think. But see, I think it comes out of this idea of control. Yeah. I can perhaps control keeping my family safe if I don't go out for ice cream or if I don't go to concerts or if I don't do whatever it is that feels perhaps unsafe. But really, does Actually, that really give us control? Well, there's two questions because there was the one of, like, how do we just go about a normal life? And the second is, how do I discipline my child? How do I say no? How do I do something mm-hmm. that right. he could, that she could perceive as unloving? Right. And it might be the last thing that we have together. And so it was this idea of all bets are off. I should spend the rest of my day hugging my child. I should, we should cocoon in this bubble right. and hide from the world. Right. Because... Well, I think realistically that wouldn't be easy to sustain. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but how does a I, parent work through those emotions? Right. Um, well, I'm a big believer in self-care. I mean, that to me, when I work with any individual, whether the focus is on parenting or not, that's sort of at the heart of what I want people to sort of figure out about themselves in general. Um, you know, so much about this is dealing with our own anxiety, and you and I have talked at length about parenting and anxiety. Um, I know you've talked about it in your podcasts, because we live in an age of parenting anxiety in general, and I feel so often parents lose sight that it's really about them. They're the ones who are who are unnerved. Their kids are actually making it through these situations resilient and in the moment and and if they do struggle the child struggle especially for the early childhood years when it's over it's over Mm -hmm. and the child's going to start fresh and and move forward if we can let go of the 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 residual of whatever that conflict heartbreak tantrum meltdown opposition was right so, you know, so much of this, I think, is learning to manage our own anxiety. Okay, um, where do we pulling begin? Pulling back. I think that often we become very myopic. We become, we zoom in way too closely. And if you can just learn to pull back a little bit and look at the, the big picture. I know we do have a lot going on in our world right now, which is a legitimate concern for anxiety. Right, but where's the... How do you put... When you open it up, then you can imagine world wars and... and, Well... uh, Okay. I mean more in terms of... Let's take the shooting, for example. Realistically speaking, statistically, what is the chance that if I go to a concert tomorrow that... Uh, another tragedy will happen you know that's sort of how I've always worked you know okay okay, statistically speaking what's the chance that my plane is going to go down okay so I remember I remember two weeks after 9-11 I said I have a I have an obligation to get on that international flight that I was booked on Mm -hmm. because I said I have to continue my life I have to remember that that I have strength power and 
certainty in myself to go forward in my life. Mm-hmm. And I had, an, I had a moral obligation to mm-hmm. get on a plane, mm-hmm. even though it felt a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you work through that anxiety um, when, the, when the person wants to just say, um, statistically... You know, I mean, and parents have those fears. They have the fears of flying. You know, now the stakes feel so much mm-hmm. bigger because mm-hmm. it's for your children. You know, I need to be here for my child. Right. Well, I guess I'll give you my general spiel about okay. anxiety in general. I feel that anxiety tells you to avoid something when actually what, what you need to do is exactly the opposite. You need to go towards the thing that's making you anxious. I love it. This is what, whether it's anxiety about literally anything, I, and I, you know, so I didn't realize we were going to go here, but that is the deal with anxiety. You, you need to not listen to that voice, whether it's the voice on your shoulder, in your head, wherever that voice is, that voice tells you, don't do that. Don't go to ice cream with your kid. Don't go to a concert. Don't get on the plane. That means, wait a second. That's exactly what I should do. Because the more you obey that voice, the more power you give that voice. And, the big, and, and it's exactly what I will tell parents for childhood fears. Because you think, oh, I'm supposed to validate what they're feeling. I'm supposed to acknowledge that fear. Mm-hmm. And it's yes, you are supposed mm-hmm. to say, oh, I hear you. That's really scary. It's going to be hard to do that. But here are the tools, the skills, the support mm-hmm. that will help a child go forward. Because I know with children, whether it's monsters, under the bed, whether it's whatever that fear is, leaving a parent um, and being a, being not sure that the parent's going to come back in a half an hour mm-hmm. in a transition class, whether it's fear of pooping in a toilet, mm-hmm. all of those things. If I say, oh, you're right, that's scary, don't do it, then I know the child's going to have three more fears and it's going to get bigger and it's going to have power over right. them. So, yes. I almost have this... I, I'll use this language that I think I made up of a monster. I think anxiety and what anxiety tells you, if you think of it as the monster, the more you obey it, the more you feed that monster and right. the bigger it right. gets. The more you deprive it by doing exactly what it's telling you not to do, it diminishes and weakens. And I think that in the, in these such, in the example that you gave, not going to ice cream is is exactly that feeding this monster making it more powerful and honestly i i mean isn't that what terrorists want and that to me also is so important okay so now let's go to the powerlessness because i think that our world in general um I think it's a general parenting question in terms of general anxiety about parenting, which is I'm powerless to make really, really perfect, good choices for my child because this world is bombarding me that no matter what I choose, Mm -hmm. I have to second guess it. Mm -hmm. And then we live in the powerlessness of, you know, what kind of world is my child being raised in? I don't have control over climate. I don't have control over violent, random violence, and I may not have control. You know, there's so many things. I can't have immediate control over, though I have some voice to. Mm-hmm. So when I think of the psychological literature, I think of what I have to tell parents is internal locus of control, mm-hmm. that somehow when we feel powerless and out of control, that we still have a sense of 
um, power and efficacy in our own lives. Mm-hmm. How do we? How do parents create that? in this world where whether it's media and you have to step back from media and I want we have to come back and talk about that but when you're being bombarded with um, too much mm-hmm. how does a parent regain that sense of um, their personal power mm-hmm. well I think you have to first look at why you're feeling powerless is it because you're being bombarded is it because of what is actually happening out there I mean I've noticed for myself that if I go like if I go away for a week and I'm not consuming as much news, I actually feel better. Happier. I don't Easy. maintain that because I'm still rather addicted. Um, but I think if you know that's good for you, then step back from it. Don't turn the TV on. Well, I think I said to you before. I think TV news is just awful. <laughs> no one should turn the TV on at all. That to me is just you want to get anxious. Go ahead. Um, and, and, and how do you answer that? Because I see this in my email stream, just in general principles, is how do you maintain personal responsibility that I'm not disengaging from the world? I'm not um, well, you can hiding read my head. <laughs> you can read and listen to podcasts all you want. Um, and what's and the, maybe diff- look and what's at the difference news? from a psychological point of view in terms of the addiction to, well, to that emotional reaction to TV news. Right. Well, I don't watch a ton of TV news, but if I do, um, I notice an incredible repetitiveness to it. The visuals are very repetitive, and what is being said is very repetitive, and so you're being bombarded over and over again by this feeling, you know, that if you read it, you're not going to reread it over and over again. And you can process it in a very different way. If you listen to a podcast... You can, you, can, you can actually synthesize it on your own. Yeah. And so, Erin, what about kids being exposed to television news? Well, if your television is on all the time, which I, th- I think in many homes it is, then your kids are picking up on it. Even if you think they're playing, even if they're playing in the other room, they are picking up on it. Right. Our kids are incredibly observant, observant of us and observant of what's going on. So... Why expose them unnecessarily to that, especially small kids? Is there a way, um, and, and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but I'm imagining a person who feels very responsible um, in the sense of having great conversations with their children and feeling capable of explaining and creating a safe foundation for their children. Um, could Could a parent help a child understand and process small bites mm-hmm. of that public exposure? Oh, I think definitely they can. I think, again, you want to attend to your own feelings and so you your can't own do state it until, of mind. Okay, so let's, what are I the mean, conditions? I mean, I my own advice, quite honestly. Yeah, what are the, right, you don't want to be rant. Is it okay to rant? I'm a rant. <laughs> and you were always a ranter. I mean, even when your girls were little, it was okay to rant. So, um, yeah, but I'm ranting about, I'm not ranting out of, in fear. That's right. That's right. Passion. Yes. Okay. So ranting with passion, having a strong reaction is healthy and normal for parents to be able to do. Yes. And especially if they want to raise their children as being, um, connected to world events and, and culture and public situations. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Now, so let's go back to 
But what if um, the parent is is sharing their emotional um, struggle? I think that's fine, but I think you want to sort of explain it at the same time. Give us the words. I think you say, I know mommy's upset right now, or I know I seem upset right now, but that's because something scary just happened. Um, I know we'll be okay, but I'm reacting to that. You know, we model for our kids how we're going to handle our emotions. Um, We are their primary teacher by example, not teacher by telling. That's right. So... So that whole emotional intelligence, that whole emotional responsibility. And and then you can say, and I'm going running right now. And I'm going running. And I need that. Okay. Because, or whatever it is, I'm going to go play my guitar now, or I'm going to go, whatever it is, or let's go do, let's go to the playground and get our minds off of it. So make your strategy, make your emotional resilience strategies visible. Mm -hmm. You're modeling that, how your coping mechanisms work. And so, and, and let's just go to those shaky emotions that it's really okay for parents to say something really sad and scary happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I definitely think it's okay. I'm because otherwise I'm a it's a lie. Shielding. Otherwise it's a contradiction. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's a betrayal of their emotions because they see that that you're not addressing whatever's on the table. Right. I mean, you want to be age appropriate, obviously, and what you tell your 10-year-old is a lot different than what you're going to explain to your 4-year-old. And if you know, for example, that your 5-year-old is sort of predisposed to being anxious, anxious by nature, um, then you might shield them more than you would your really chill kid. Okay, so this is great because I just did my newsletter on temperament. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about, um, first of all, parents feeling like they don't have to change the anxious child because mm-hmm. it's a predisposition. They can't fix it, mm-hmm. but they can interact with it in a in a positive, constructive way. Well, you want to give them coping skills more than anything else. You're right. I think I like your language of not wanting to change them. Um, because I, I think, think parents are in just great distress when they have a child. It's stressful. I mean, it is stressful having a kid who's anxious. It it uh, whenever your kid is going through anything, yeah. <laughs> it's stressful. Right. Isn't there some old phrase? I don't know where you're only as happy as your least, least happy, happy child. child. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. I mean, if your kid is stressed out, it gets to us. Right. Um, so you have a child that fe- a se- let's call it the child instead of an anxious child, a very sensitive child, a child that feels the world deeply, mm-hmm. and because of a rich inner life, is able to. Um, to create scenarios that that create that anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, how do you help a child build those skills and that resilience when they when they feel that deeply? Well, I mean, I think it's probably different for every child. So, you know, I think you need to work with them to learn how to sort of contain that anxiety. Um, I mean, there's all different tricks and tools you can do. Um, but also really just um, help them understand that those thoughts don't necessarily mean they're going to happen. We all have thoughts. Thoughts are thoughts. Thoughts aren't... Don't believe aren't, everything you think. <laughs> 
it's, it's the one. It's a Facebook quote that I love to live by. Don't yeah. believe everything you think. Yeah. 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 Those are my thoughts. Sometimes they're really wacky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kids can understand that because they understand having wacky thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got the anxious child who's who's going to get the comfort. The, the, the strategies to self-manage. We've got the anxious parent who uh, is going to go running, playing guitar. Uh, how, how, what's the secret to, <laughs> there we go. Like, you could write the book. If you got this answer, you right, can do everything. Where's the secret to optimism and resilience in a world that's full of uncertainty. And, and, and so this is, you know, we live in a chaotic time, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not the most chaotic times. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we live in a world where many of us have so much privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the reality, and I think that is a burden on parents today, is that, you know, what the world will look like in 20 years probably won't resemble the world that they grew up in. And so there is this speed and this transforming of the world where that we that that's confusing everybody mm-hmm. um, so how do they go into this blind new world with hope optimism and resilience I have to think this over <laughs> um, well I mean I think out of rupture comes repair in general whether it's in you believe that i do and i believe it in relationships very much so in personal relationships um and uh i think that yeah i do believe that i mean i think it's very reassuring for me to hear you say that um well that's actually um rupture and repair is a phrase I don't know who originated it, quite honestly, but I learned it in my doctoral program, and I use it regularly when working with individuals. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, I've been seeing those messages in social media, Mm -hmm. and I thought those were a little crunchy. Like, okay, thanks, I get that, but my world is is crumbling, and it's hard for me to imagine Mm -hmm. that the good people are going to somehow find a way to knit it back together, Mm -hmm. but you as my friend mm-hmm. really does that is that was very reassuring and I will probably quote you on that now for the next 10 years well I think if you take it down to the micro which is a relationship between two people I think I'm sure you can think of examples where that's definitely the case um, I mean my husband loves to say you don't you can't really be close to someone until you've fought with them right right <laughs> so, right, right. Um, I just think Probably your listeners can think of examples where it's true. You have a misunderstanding, you fight it out, you air your grievances, and then you you actually have a more powerful connection. And so I think when you then broaden it to the macro... Um, but even in terms of... I mean, there is that those people that believe that, the, that this is a healing process for the world. But, but even still at this micro level, what you might be saying, if I hear you, is that... As we struggle in our families, in our friendships, in ourselves, through this uncertainty, through this disequilibrium of chaos and confusion and doubt um, and anxiety, 
then we are becoming stronger, mm -hmm. that it is somehow mm -hmm. making, helping us to become better people, maybe more community-minded, maybe more helpful of those who need our help, that, that it, it does create greater empathy for us and compassion for ourselves. So may, even at a micro level, all of these world events, if we only lived with affluence and comfort, Mm -hmm. We just become pretty spoiled, right. but this, but these new challenges actually might be helping parents raise children mm -hmm. that will be strong, resilient, and maybe optimistic too. It does feel to me as though we're in, at a community level, we're in some period of change and growth. It's not all that comfortable at all, um, but uh, I definitely feel that that's the case. I definitely feel like something is shifting. We're being forced to um, take others' perspectives, I think, more than we've needed to recently. I think um, we're being forced to have conversations that are very difficult. Um, I think just that political atmosphere that we're living in is pushing us to have conversations about things we just weren't talking about before. I love it. I love it. I, and I, I mean, I do hope and I think that there's the positive trend of, of us going towards compassion and empathy. But I hear, I think that you're also saying that there's this sense of we have to recognize one another's vulnerability in a, in a very real way of, of, of acknowledging people's realities and listening to saying, okay, if you felt ignored or disregarded or if there's... Um, you know, pain and suffering. I mean, that there really is this reaching out, mm -hmm. maybe that that we were just walking around in our own little happy worlds before that, ish. Or we were walking around in our own worlds, hopefully happy a lot of the time. Right, right, I right. I think um, we're we're definitely being nudged out of our comfort zone. Uh, uh, maybe maybe someone else would say something different, but that's my experience and the experience of the people who I talk to most of the time. I love it, though. that And, and so that you're here to remind us that being pushed out of our comfort zones is the psychological, psychological empowering direction to be pushed in. I mean, is I it think good? That's where growth comes from. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we hear that cliche all the time, but I think it's true. I mean, when you go to therapy, um, well, there's a lot of different kinds of therapy, obviously, but you know, it might start with you feeling like you just need comfort and un to be understood. But hopefully, after that, there'll be a little nudging um, yeah. <laughs> towards. Yeah change well that doesn't come painlessly yes yeah. or not effortlessly at yeah. not, a, not at all okay and so let's do our wrap-up um and it's always the same how have you got this and and it is that you know what can what do you want to share with parents um particularly of young children who um are feeling overwhelmed and um and freaked out and scared mm -hmm. by this world. Mm -hmm. um, I think take care of yourself first. I think, you know, pay attention to how you're feeling. Check in with yourself. If you feel, if you start to feel the little flutters of anxiety or, or 
are ramping up a little bit, then turn the news off, check in with your kid, do something fun, take care of yourself. I, I, it's just really a, um, an important and message. And that's a daily, hourly practice. Mm-hmm. I think, right. I mean, I think that's good advice for most people. Throughout the day, our moods and our feelings fluctuate all the time. But I know that, well, I was telling you before the podcast, when I was driving my daughter to school on the Monday morning a week ago, and I heard that there was that shooting, oh, you know, immediately I was aware of a shift internally. And I was also aware that now I'm going to have to cope with that. But I can, um, and everyone can. It's just that... Okay, so go ahead, explain that process. Because you feel the moment of grief, you feel the sadness. Right, but also there was this real awareness like, oh man, now I'm going to have to really cope with that feeling. Um, I'm going to have to think about this and process it, but there's no choice but to do that. And that means... You can't just stay on your regular schedule. You can't stay on the checking off the to-do list. Mm -hmm. You have to take those pauses for yourself and then especially for your children Mm -hmm. and for for all the needs in the family. Erin, thank you. Thank I'm you. feeling so much better. Thank you for <laughs> having me. It's why you're my trusted friend. Thank you for having me. Well, I feel so lucky to call Erin my friend. Um, but for those of you who are thinking of contacting her, um, she is Dr. Erin Gottesfeld and practices right here in Boca Raton, Florida. And that's Erin, A-A-R-Y-N, Gottesfeld, G-O-T-T-E-S-F-E-L-D. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Thanks, Erin. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and The Follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.